When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. So the season opener, 38-3. I think we all saw that coming as uh, each of us predicted <laughs> a five-touchdown win on Thursday. So let's just jump into uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Tim, I mean, how shocked were you? And I guess, what what do you think we saw on Saturday night that can be spun forward to the rest of the season? What do you think we saw on Saturday night that is more of a one-off? Well, it was a physical beating, and I don't think any of us anticipated that. I think we all understood that Texas is still a team in transition, but Notre Dame really physically annihilated Texas. And that, as the game carried on, it became worse and worse. Notre Dame takes a 14-0 lead. They end up making it 17 to nothing. There's about a 15-minute stretch there where Notre Dame lets some opportunities slip by, and you're thinking, okay, no killer instinct. You need to finish this team off. And at that point... They did so. I, you know, I don't want to. I don't really want to spin it forward too much. It's it's a one game entity. It was sixty minutes of football, and Notre Dame has opened against lesser opponents and played poorly. Um, you know, I mean, just looking at the report card, it was A's across the board, with the exception of just some miscues in the special teams game that you would like to see, you know, done better. But their coverage units were good, and, and I think that's the main thing. So top to bottom, really a great performance for Notre Dame. Spinning it forward, I mean, they should they should beat Virginia. Virginia was not very good against UCLA, but let's just take it at face value as a quality 60 minutes of football by Notre Dame. You can't do much more than that in your opener. I mean, you, you can't it, – it's not their fault Texas stinks on offense, and they're going to – they don't have a chance on offense this year too because it's not just the quarterback, it's the offensive line – and but still, we were walking off, and you kind of mentioned because we were talking to the reporters, and it was like, well, Texas is really going to struggle when they play better defenses. When Notre Dame's at full strength, that's a good defense. It's when they're not at full strength if something goes wrong. Obviously, we saw that happen. But I think they have a good defense when they're at full strength. I agree, and it was really encouraging to see the two young the two young tackles, the in, interior tackles, definitely got pushed up the field. Daniel Cage, that was the best I've seen. Daniel Cage. In Sheldon Day, Pete, you predicted that along with the two Will Fuller touchdowns that, um, you know, those guys were going to have big days, and they clearly did. I mean, Texas will struggle against defenses. Right. I mean, that's like <laughs> it, good or bad. It's not going to make it. It's really one of the most inept offenses that I've seen since maybe Notre Dame 2007. I mean, and wow. That, going that, there, huh? That play at the goal line where Sheldon Day, Isaac Rochelle, and Jalen Smith yeah. all hit Gerard Hurd was straight out of the Michigan game from 2007 when I think they had to split Saxon quarters for Michigan. It was it was that bad. I believe I believe Pete's line on that during the play, I said, who got that sack? And Pete said, it was Smith because they were all even. And all of a sudden, Smith ran by and said, I'm just faster than you guys. Yeah, just, it, I mean, it was ridiculous. I don't understand what Texas is trying to do offensively at all. And that... That makes it difficult for me to evaluate Notre Dame's defense as it pertains to the rest of the season. I think Notre Dame is good on defense. Are they great? I don't know. Because Texas only ran 52 plays. And 
what tempo offense only runs 52 plays? And it's like to to go up tempo with Tyrone Soaps, Gerard Hurd, and that offensive line is like trying to run a triple option offense with Tommy <laughs> Reese. It makes no sense. Like, so I don't. I need to see Notre Dame against Georgia Tech on defense to say this defense has has it figured out or this defense is just like slightly upgraded from last year because what they did against Texas is completely irrelevant. It would be like if Tim you went out and ran a marathon and the next day I'd be like, Well, since you ran a marathon, you should build a plane the next day. Like <laughs> it just it's just not related at all. So that's I need to see more of Notre Dame's defense and Notre Dame's offense though. I think this is going to be indicative of who they are the rest of the year. They're going to play better defenses, but they have an identity where they not only have sort of taken the Music City Bowl and recreated it, they've evolved and improved from it. So that, that to me, is a really positive sign that's going to stick. I think we can stop asking questions about Malik Zaire and the moment and the nerves and all that. that I mean, that, it's just not applicable anymore. He's had you know two starts and then a half against... USC, and he's responded better than you could imagine an inexperienced quarterback reacting. He's now had 99 passes and runs combined, no turnovers. I don't even think anything really close to one, certainly not on that, Saturday. That was one of the things I noted. There wasn't even a hint of a turnover no, right. from him. And, like, for Golson's 22 turnovers, there were another 10 that could have, you know, if they had been caught or a fumble the, wouldn't Right, the, and about. the one sack where he... I mean, he probably could have tried to extricate himself from that, but he knew he was done, so he protected the football and went down and lived to to, to play another day. I, you know, his poise. Uh, I, I thought I said this after the game in the instant analysis. I thought that the the menu that the the three offensive coaches gave to him, they let it unfold. They gave him safe safe passes outside the hash marks. It's inside the hash marks where you can get in trouble with a passing game. And then as the game evolved, he showed touch. The throw, you know, the first touchdown pass to, to Fuller, anytime the ball comes out of the hand of a quarterback, there's that moment of anticipation as to what's going to happen. He rifled yeah. that thing. He eliminated the time of anticipation as to the outcome and put it right in the chest of Will Fuller. I, I thought I thought he was brilliant. He, he's been way better than any of us could have anticipated in each instance he's had an opportunity to play. Well, I think you make a good point about they gave him a good menu early because if you didn't know anything about Notre Dame and you turned on that game and say the second half, you wouldn't know for sure if it was Zaire that was loosening things up or if it was the offensive line that was loosening things up for Zaire. He looked he looked that much better and that much more comfortable as the game went on. I mean, he was 13 of 14 for 273 yards on throws of 10 yards or more. I mean, that's like, I did not see that coming at all. I thought that the Fuller bomb, he had that in his arsenal. I mean, we saw that in the spring game. But the touchdown to Fuller in the first half, I didn't really know like if that was there yeah, or that not, was perfect. Um, or like mm-hmm. when he basically stuck a football in Tory Hunter's helmet. It was that hot. I mean, those kind of throws. I wasn't really sure that was there. I mean, and, I mean, you saw somewhere he had the receivers some had to work. No, he had Corey, Robinson, my, had Corey Robinson made a great guy. the first one. Chris, Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Chris Brown. Chris Brown. The, the yeah. first completion was was a tough catch. So. I mean, give his receiving core credit too. They helped him out as well. But that's that huge window. That huge window is there because they can run. There, there's not. You're not. You can't drop eight. You cannot drop eight anymore against Notre Dame. That used to be the no. move. Is second and ten. Well, all right, we can go ahead and gain one yard on your run, and we'll drop eight on third down. That's that, that's not an option. Yeah. So I, yeah, the offensive line I thought got much better in the second half. And sort of going back and watching the the Josh Adams touchdown runs. I mean, you see. Nick Martin getting down the field, McGlinchey getting down the field. And I think, you know, I think it was the, yeah, the first one that sort of went right. 
Chris Brown, I thought, had a really nice game throwing blocks, which is just not something you would have anticipated at all going into the season. So that's all uh, to me again. All these signs point to where Notre Dame's offense is, whereas the defense, I think, I just, I just need to see more. Ronnie Stanley was not even challenged. That's how, I mean, based upon what I've seen, so I haven't seen the entire game now watching for tail of the tape, but, I mean, he, he was not challenged. He was in complete control uh, of the right side of, of Texas's defensive line. Josh Adams, yeah, like that second touchdown, he had a huge hole to run yeah. through, but, man, did he hit it. Yeah. You know, and now you have two running back. You have two big galloping running backs in Procise and Adams. And and look, I mean, people are like, okay, what position changes? I, I think that's one of our questions. How many? What do you? I mean, you got to move Nick Coleman from corner to running back so he can be the number four running back. You've got three. Got you've got three guys. Two of them are freshmen. Procise is going to have to carry 17, 18, 20, 25 times at, at times. He's a big back. He should be able to withstand that. Uh, he's a thousand yard rusher now because you're going to give the majority yes. of the big carries to the quote veteran, the guy with one game at running back. Yeah, I think, he, I mean, you could run Malik more too. I think you know, nine carries. I don't know how many of those were designed runs. And I, you know, if you're going to nitpick on Ernie's offense, I thought his sort of zone read fill was kind of off. Because um, that, I mean, he looked more like Everett Golson sometimes trying to run it, where it's just like, you just always felt like he was making the wrong decision um, when you watch Golson and uh, Zaire. Maybe that. Maybe that's like if there were any nerves he showed. It was just like, okay, I'm going to make a play. Yeah. Um, kind of like what he did last year. I think when he had that long run against uh, I don't know if it was Northwestern Race, but uh, that's that'd be it though. Because I, I thought that like you know maybe he missed a couple protections or he made the wrong decision on the zone read. But those are those are I think would be. Stuff that he can clearly get better on as the year goes on. I I don't know if accuracy is something we talked about this in previous podcasts. I don't know if accuracy is something, is something that you would improve in the year, but he's already got it. So that's uh, I think some huge positive signs for him. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned two galloping backs. Adams looks like precise when he gets the ball from our vantage point. He you, does. You, you don't know who it is no, at times. He does. That's a compliment to a, to him. I uh, you know I mean tough break for. Ratari and Folston obviously out for the year, third carry of the, the game in the first quarter, 15-yard run. No, I mean, it wasn't contact. I, I think it was just the last jab step he made before he was tackled. I don't, I don't, even, I don't think his knee was jammed in the ground. It was just a jab step, and it, it gave way, which is, which is really unfortunate. But, look, you've got I, Dexter Williams ran with, with quickness in the, the few opportunities he had. His big thing, of course, is going to be pass protection. Jumping over the defensive side of the ball, I, I, I thought Max Redfield was really, really aggressive supporting the run. That was real positive. And the, and the D-line, you know, I mean, the, the, the D-line controlled the line of scrimmage. Yeah. We kind of anticipated that with the two freshmen starting on the offensive line for Texas. But real positive signs with the D-line. Rochelle's a bear. Sheldon Day, you know, keep him healthy, which has been difficult for him to do. But he's a, he's a guy that... Uh, um, you know, he's a force and they moved him around. So it just tons and tons of positives, except for some of the, the sloppy things in the special teams. The D line was so good and the Texas offense passing game is so bad. We didn't get to see much for the passing game from, from Notre Dame's past defense. And you know what? We might not need to in these next couple of weeks either, because yeah. they, that the big test is I mean, UMass can pass the ball, but that's not a test in terms of a losable game. So Clemson's really the one where... Yeah, and I mean, you can't get out of the segment without talking about Jalen Smith, because he just like erases that scramble, broken yeah. play that has 
you know, kills every team, but like Notre Dame has got burned by that in the past few years where you got a quarterback on third and seven, everything's covered, he runs for eight. Like, that's not going to happen against Notre Dame this year. And Tyrone Swopes, he might not be a great quarterback, but he's a really good athlete, yeah, and he, he did not have a chance to get away from Jalen Smith Jalen Smith, Smith is, is Spider-Man. I mean, he is. He's You see him down in a, in a quote, football position, and he, he's in a football position like a corner, except he's a 6'3", 6'2", 6'3", 240, 245-pound guy. He's, he's a bear. He knows where he needs to be now. He's going to be very, very difficult to stop. All right, well, that's it for segment one. We're going to take some questions from our readers next on Irish Illustrated Insider. Segment two of our post-Texas Monday edition of Irish Illustrated Insider is our Burning Up the Board segment, and we start with Helmet 622. Do you think this is the best chemistry between the team as a whole that we've seen in a while. It's good chemistry. I, I couldn't say that it's the best chemistry. Is this better than 2012 when they you know beat Navy 50-10? to 10? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, but it's good chemistry, and that's that's a positive. I I think you, get, you have to admit after the weekend that Notre Dame is better, out with, better off without Everett Golson, which is not something yeah. I really felt like I was going to say at any point this year. And Malik Zaire might turn an ankle next weekend, and I'll be like, hey, I'm going to walk back from that statement. But... Just in terms of the dynamics in the locker room, sort of the vibe around the program, the fact that no one is ever going to ask Kelly this year, hey, you know, are you going to do, do a two-quarterback system? I mean, it would be the equivalent of, like, who's calling the plays, but, like, way more obnoxious of a storyline. Well, they would have. you're right, because they would have had a two-quarterback system against Texas. Yeah. No doubt about it. And I think there's also no doubt that they're better off without Golson if Zaire's healthy, because you don't have to deal with that all year. It's, it, they're definitely not better off without Golson if Malik Zaire gets hurt, because then you would be bringing in a 30-touchdown uh, guy as well, your backup. We've said it many times, you can coach Malik Zaire hard. Yes. You, you, yeah. you can get on him. And I, I, I kind of sense with Zaire, because he is such a good leader, that if Kelly yells at him, he thinks, okay, I deserve that, now let's move on. And, and that's just, I mean, you can't teach that. That's just a... That's his nature, his personality, his resiliency. The only reason I thought that they would be better off having Golson around was third and long. I've said that many, many times. Oh, it might still come true. And too. it might, and it, it, I, no, it will come yeah. into play. I, certainly on the road. He hasn't had the right. test on the road yet. And I don't know that that's necessarily this weekend. It's certainly at Clemson. But in terms of just chemistry with the whole team, he has that. I, I agree with you, Pete. I don't know if it's the best. It doesn't matter whether it's the best. The question is. Is the chemistry really good this year? And the answer to that is, is clearly yes. We can answer the question if they go down 10 at the half to Georgia Tech, down 13 at Clemson, and how they react. Well, you would use 10 nothen yeah. at Virginia at as Virginia. an example. Yeah, I mean, it, I could, it could happen. happen. You get a field goal and a fumble mm-hmm. recovery touchdown, that's when you see chemistry because, you know, you got a lot of happy guys and a lot of good chemistry when it's 38-3 over Texas yeah. and everybody's dancing in their backfield. All right, next up, Tater's dad. This is actually not for me, even though my son's named Tate. Do you feel Notre Dame has a size and depth on the defensive line to hold up for the entire season, barring injury? Wouldn't an eight-man rotation help stave off wear and tear in the season? Um, you know, if if Daniel Cage and Terry Gillery, if <laughs> Jerry Tillery, uh, that's what Sheldon Day calls him, if those guys hold up and play like they did on Saturday, you know, and that's why the whole thing was how big of a loss is Jerron Jones? Well, it depends upon how well Daniel Cage and Jerry Tillery play. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know that uh, Jerry Tillery made a made a sack. I don't know how well he played all the way through, but Daniel Cage did play well and did hold the point of attack and did change the point of attack in the line of scrimmage. But 
you know, I still don't see it from Aquara and Trombetti, and that's a concern. They're not going to get a consistent pass rush from their front four. Can yeah. they hold up against the run? Yes. Pass rush, I think they still need help from the linebackers. This is one of those questions that goes back to the first segment where you just don't know what you have based off Texas because they only ran 52 plays. You didn't need to have a rotation against Texas. I mean, just to put this in perspective, Isaac Rochelle played 69 snaps against North Carolina last year, and no one was going to play 100% of the snaps. So there, there, was no, there was no wear and tear against Texas for the defensive line because Texas wasn't out on the field long enough. I, you know, I... I think Tillery has a long way to go. His first two snaps, he was on the ground. He mm-hmm. got that sack after, I think, Trump, the quarterback spun out of Trombetti um, and Tillery cleaned it up. I thought Rochelle showed some real pass rush, penetrative moves, which was great. You know, Sheldon Day is Sheldon Day. Um, you know, Aquara had a sack in there. But, yeah, would Notre Dame be better off having a rotation? Yeah, against competent offenses, you have to have a rotation, but... Texas isn't one of those, so we just don't know. On that topic, there was another question related to this kind of on the board. Had there been more than 52 plays, would we have seen more guys like Hayes and Blankenship? I don't know if you'd have gotten that deep, because I do think Blankenship's growing into that 25 pounds he added. But Bonner got in, and I think as soon as you get to a regular game where there's 65, 70 snaps, Bonner is going to play. He's the seventh guy. If guys stay healthy, you can be okay with seven. But to answer the question directly, there's no such thing as a team that can't use an eight-man rotation up front of the defensive yeah. line, because it's the only position in football where if you have ten guys, you can rotate them and be better. Like yeah. Eventually, you can't keep rotating in running backs and wide receivers, but if Bonner and Hayes are excellent in practice, they're going to play. I do want to see what happens with Jay Hayes moving forward. The fact that he did not get in the game at all, I think, is something to note. And, you know, are they going to try to do a Kona Schwenke sophomore year and do the, the well, sophomore year be. red shirt? Yeah. I don't know if Notre Dame could afford to actually do that unless everyone stays healthy the rest of the year. But I, I think it's just so, it's something to file away. I was like, you know, we'll see if Jay Hayes, does he play against Virginia or not? UMass is kind of the, the look there, because he could definitely not, he'll probably travel, because you got to bring guys to, to do defensive alignment of the guys you bring sure. on these trips, but he doesn't have to play. And then Georgia Tech is going to be so specific to the guys they want to play on the, against that scheme. If you don't see those guys getting in against UMass, then you know it's in the back of their mind, hey, if we stay healthy enough, we can yeah. register either Hayes yeah, we or, can, And then yeah. we'll ask them about that right away. I, I say, I saw Jonathan Bonner moving the point of attack, and, and that's a positive. He's a big, strong kid, and, and they can use him. Irish Texas asked, did the opening week of college football change the outlook for any of you on the rest of the season? After all, it's officially over. Re- oh, I'm sorry, overreaction to week <laughs> <Yes>. number one. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it changed a whole lot. I mean, Stanford is a lot worse than what I had expected. <laughs> they're, like, they're, running like, they're like a pro-style version of Texas offensively. And then, you know, Clemson lost Mike Williams for the season, their top receiver. You know, how would we, how would we feel about Notre Dame if Will Fuller was out for the year? Um, and then Temple's way better. So it's like Temple suddenly is like, ah, I'm kind of interested in this uh, game. Matt Rule, Matt Rule is a good coach. He has not a ton to work with there. And he, I, I really think Matt Rule's on a, I don't know, short list, but on a list for Notre Dame if and when that, that comes. At this point last year, Ohio State was the only team out of the national championship race. <laughs> and the only contender out of it. They looked yeah. terrible. They didn't have a quarterback, I, and they got worked. At Stanford home. was there. There was no sense of urgency. That that was the one of the most apathetic game plan less opening games I, I I've ever seen. That was that's really if you're a Stanford fan, there's only about eight of them. Um, that is a <laughs> that that is a real scary opening week performance. That was really really bad. 
All right, next up, Fresh, 16-19. Any more position changes coming after the injuries to Folston and Avery Sebastian? Do you think Carlisle the running back or maybe Devin Butler to safety? Regarding Butler, I think Sebastian plays the position where they have three strong safeties. I mean, Drew Tranquil is, is clearly just the obvious backup now there for, for that position, and you can you can move Farley over if you have to because he can fill in a pinch. And as you said earlier, I think Dexter Williams was going to redshirt, and now he's not. That, that's what it comes down to. You don't need to move Carlisle. Um, I understand the point. People want to see C.J. Sanders be the backup to Torrey Hunter, and you can move Carlisle there. Carlisle, when he's healthy, has a good niche right now in the offense, the one-two punch with Hunter. And as Pete said, he kind of forgot about Carlisle. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Carlisle. Catches so the, the ball team. and gets some yards afterwards. You know, he's fine. I, I just don't think you're going to make a move. And now if another running back gets hurt, then, of course, you have to. Yeah, I, I, you know, you, you have two freshmen and Procise, who's right. an inexperienced running back. But now if they stay healthy, it, what, what good does it – I mean, it doesn't do any good to move another guy there to be your number four running back. Look, Josh Anderson can play. You can put, if you need pass protection, Josh Anderson can play. I don't know that Justin Brent's going to see the light of day. But, uh, yeah, the role for Carlisle, that quick swing, he hits he hits that edge, that corner, very, very quickly. That's a weapon for them. Farley's probably a better, he's a better fit for strong safety than free safety yes. anyway, yeah. right? So, um, you know, and Sebastian will be back. I guess probably after the break. Yeah, that, after that the would bye. probably be yeah, when he would be back. Safety is fine because of Farley. Um, you know, this is a guy that started in the national championship game, so I, he'll he's a he's a fine third safety for yeah. you if you want to bring him out there. So I I don't see a, a need to to reshuffle safety. I mean, I think at running back they're one more injury away from having to do something mm-hmm. uh, to 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 move somebody from maybe a more you know, frontline role or, you know, backup role to be a third running back just because they have to cross-train somebody. But, I I mean, I I agree. I think Josh Anderson, you know, you don't want to get in a position where you actually have to play him in meaningful situations. But if you had to, if, you know, somebody rolled an ankle or, you know, their helmet popped off and he had to go in for a play, it's not going to be a fire sale. He knows the offense and knows pass protections. That's a significant role. And I think the Carlisle point, I guess, is good if somebody else gets hurt. But you don't move him. You just give him five carries and he plays slot. That's, yeah, he'd be fine. Yeah, my most of his carries are still going to come out of the Jets' week. Right, but if right. you want to, yeah. I mean, you, it's probably pretty easy to to work on a few reps in, in a actual running back position if you want to go ahead and do that. I guess I answered, I gave my opinion about the next question. Blue Chip Man, do you see any future for Justin Brent playing in Notre Dame? I mean, not this year. I mean, it's, you. we've listened to enough Brian Kelly press conferences to know when he doesn't mention somebody, if not by accident. So when he didn't even mention Justin Brent really as an option uh, on Sunday, I mean, it, it reminded me, frankly, of like Mike Hireman in the spring when we were asking yeah. about tight ends. He mentioned everybody but Mike Hireman. I'm not saying that Justin Brent's career is over, but I, I don't think there's a, a role for him on this team unless they probably have two more injuries at running back, and then maybe you'll see him mentioned. I was surprised he did bring his name up when someone asked about Dexter Williams Thursday, but I think that's because he was talking about guys that aren't going to play this year right. and are redshirting. So, I, you know, then he was trying to throw a little bone out there. But now listen, Brent last year, for all the – he didn't play much, but I think I've told two stories on the boards before what I saw from Brent. Brent threw the best block on – it was on the punter – but threw the best block on Greg Bryant's punt return. He blocked him to the ground like that was the guy that he had to block – and also, there's the story at Arizona State where they had given up, not given up, but it was over, the second interception touchdown, or the, or the 12th, whatever it was. There were 10 guys out in the field for Notre Dame on kickoff coverage, which Brent was a starter on all game. 
Guess who the 11th guy was not out on the field? And when he got called to the field by a very angry Scott Booker, he was not wearing his helmet. He was wearing the towel that had been wrapped around his head while he was on the field. So then when they threw the helmet to him, just Sheldon Day joined the anger brigade there, and uh, he did, it did not go well, and he did not make the tackle on the kickoff either. Yeah, so. he's got, I mean, this guy's got a lot to prove yeah. to the coaching staff, whether he can be a guy that can be counted on or not, and it's probably going to take him a year to prove that. So I think for Justin Brent, you know, this is a conversation for spring of 2016 to see you know, what Norium has. Would he care? I bring that up. Would he care enough to play special teams if they said, well, all right, Aver Sebastian's out. He was going to cover kicks once in a while. Can you go cover kicks? I mean, you get in the game, you get to play, right? You don't play at running back. He's not going to travel. Yeah, I mean, they just they just have so many. I mean, they have Kavari Russell covering kicks. Can't I mean, he, he run down two, and hit he had, someone? <laughs> he had two tackles on yeah. kickoff coverage on Saturday. He looked pretty good doing it, so... I just don't. I don't think they need to throw out guys just for special yeah. teams because they have they have enough vet, other veteran frontline guys that want to. When do you it. talk about team chemistry, you know, and the little things that add up, you need Justin Brent to be engaged. That's what I'm a add. big yeah. strong. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a big strong athletic kid. You need to be engaged so he can contribute on special teams. And Kavari Russell doesn't have to do yeah. that, but. I don't think he is engaged. Otherwise, he would have been the eleventh man on the field last year. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. In that situation, <laughs> yeah. So. We will be back Thursday for our Virginia preview. We'll talk a little bit more recruiting on that show um, and wrap up the news of the week. So until then, you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. He's Tim Priester. He's Tim O'Malley. And I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening.